0: This week, we continue our journey through the year of canon as we trade one chuck for another as we talk about Invasion USA. Two kids looking for a new thrill. Steve. He is the most feared and powerful warrior. And
1: Paul. A strong-willed woman who knows what she wants and just how to get it. But this time, the thrill went too far. Their target, Canon Films. The home of high-powered, high-voltage motion picture entertainment. With the screen's biggest spectacles, brightest stars, and boldest
2: lineup of explosive entertainment. We're taking motion
0: picture excitement over the edge and your box office over the top.
1: canon films and weird dynamite
0: and yeah it's you're the canon again it's just you guys think every time you turn around it's like it can't be possibly more canon but it's more canon
2: it's more canon
0: yeah uh and and i'm paul to my left is steve
2: and to my immediate right and paul's immediate left (laughs) is ryan (laughs) hello (laughs) yeah
0: uh you you're back for second time. You with us. Oh, uh, what were we talking about? Um, just uh, you guys. You guys working on the science slasher together and your trials and tribulations with all that and your yeah. success and how that's now going to be a major motion picture.
2: Yeah, no? okay. uh, brought to you by the Cannon Group. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chuck Norris is going to be the slasher, and uh, it's going to be amazing. No, uh, Dream casting so uh we we last last month we covered uh 10 to midnight with uh, with mr chuck bronson and uh with uh v- random naked murderers running around and all that stuff but now we're going from one chuck to another one with chuck norris with invasion usa and we do try to have guests on for this year the can so ryan i just got to ask you i know um you were wanting to talk about this why is us not why, i was gonna say usa invasion no invasion usa why, why is this the film that you know that you want to talk about <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, this was uh, definitely an early influence on me. (laughs) It's one of those movies that I ended up watching a bunch of times as a kid. And uh, I was a big Chuck Norris fan. And it's, um, yeah, a lot different than what I remember it being. (laughs) Uh, But still good, so, and entertaining
0: so I know there was a lot of these things I ended up like watching as a kid, like on like HBO or Showtime Cinemax. And it's like, you'd see this stuff and you know, I like one of my favorite movies from the eighties is that horrible BMX film rad. And I was like, I was like, this movie's supposed to be amazing. And I watched it again. I'm like, what, what, what was it in my brain that I thought this was a great film? It's still a lot of fun, but it's not what I thought it was. So
2: I like how you said that this movie could have been amazing instead of like, Brad,
0: <laughs> this movie looks
2: like it's going to be
0: tubular. No. Uh, so I, I can relate to that. I feel like some of these things we've been revisiting, or like, uh, or there's been like a lot of talk. Like I'll bring up a film like this, and people be like, "Oh yeah, that," and like but they like i remember talking to a coworker about this like that's the one where chuck norris has the miniguns and that's all yeah. they remember about it and it's like yeah. that's the poster
2: well that's the thing like i think i mentioned this when we did the electric boogaloo episode uh, like my memory of Canon films is directly tied to the video rentals that were at our local kroger because like my mom we would go shopping and like she would my mom knew everybody so if i went to the grocery store with her we were probably going to be there an hour because she was going to talk to everyone in every aisle so i would go hang out in the video department and look at what movies were coming out and what was available to rent and like this one in texas chainsaw massacre 2 for whatever reason i just always remember being on the rack and staring back at me like i if you if I think Invasion USA, I immediately think of him with the two miniguns, you know, blazing away on the cover.
0: And just and, and and now knowing how ridiculous some of these films are that Canon put out, and the ones that we haven't gotten to yet. Being a kid, seeing the stuff on like seeing like the VHS on the wall for some reason, I was like, that's a movie. Like I never ever I never questioned that. Like some of these are just put out just for, like I guess all movies are made for profit, but it's like there's like talent and skill put into some and then maybe not so much others they were all on the same shelf so like I gave them all equal weight like growing up
2: well it's interesting and I don't know if this is a true fact or not because it's from the internet um <laughs> but uh I did see somewhere that was like it was you know the second highest grossing video cassette for MGM or something like that just below Gone with the Wind and I'm like
0: I mean they're almost the same really, movie yeah <laughs> the destruction of uh Savannah Georgia at the end or whatever that's almost on <laughs> with into this film right
2: It now it makes me want to make like a super cut where like you know i intercut uh, invasion usa into gone with
0: the wind that'd be perfect
2: the chuck norris five-hour cut
0: <laughs> so um let's we'll just get into some like we'll a little bit of background about the movie and then we'll um we'll play the trailer after that so release date for the film was uh, uh september 27th 1985 number one song money for nothing by dire straits um uh. Figured that'd be worth mentioning. Uh, budget was 12 million, box office 17.5. Uh, that Those numbers aren't, any canon film, it's always kind of hard to track the budget and the outcome because they always end up inflating one or the other. Uh, so it still made money, though. It was, uh, it was the 50th highest grossing film of 85, <laughs> just to put that out there, because uh, 85 was a stacked year. Well,
2: um, was Back to the Future number one that year? Yes, it was. Okay. Uh, you
0: just Stevie ruined what I was about to oh, say. Oh, I'm no. sorry. <laughs> so, you no. Know, so, our, our top ten for the year, going from one to ten, is Back to the Future, Rambo: First Blood Part Two, uh, Rocky Four. Look, look at that. Wow. Stallone getting back to back there. Out of Africa, the other Stallone film no one talks about. Uh, Cocoon, <laughs> Jewel of the Nile, Witness, The Goonies. I didn't realize The Goonies was like as big as it was. I, yeah, yeah. I always kind of viewed that as like people like it. I thought it was not a flop, but I didn't think it was a, like as big as it was. And then, "Spies Like Us," the wonderful, you know, uh, Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd film. God,
2: I think I saw "Spies Like Us" in the theater. Like this was during that heyday of when my brother worked at the movie theater, so I could see anything anytime. I think I saw that like five times in the theater for some ridiculous reason.
1: <laughs> so, and that <not> since,
2: <laughs> yeah, I honestly I don't know that I could tell you when I last saw like most of those movies, but I don't know that I can tell you the last time I
0: saw "Spies." When's like the Us. last time you watched "Out of Africa"? Oh, uh, that would be never. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Rambo
2: two, I can tell you, it was just a couple of years ago. Rocky four,
0: I, I may not have seen it recently, but I feel like it's playing in a loop in the back of my head, no matter what. I love that movie; it's the greatest montage ever uh, from beginning to end. Uh, so this debut number one, the weekend it had opened, uh, it was the second strongest film in September of that year, uh, behind *Agnes of God*. I don't know what that is, but uh, I want to point out in September that that year of '85, the twelfth. Uh, film 12th ranking film release was called morons from space i'm sorry morons from outer space okay i don't know what that is i have no idea Sounds amazing so yeah it, it actually came out pretty strong it you know maybe didn't make the most money but it definitely you could tell like that um it was between probably the summer releases and before it got to the holiday I, which i don't know if 85 even did the whole like uh, you know ebb and flow of releases but i feel like it was so stacked that for this to be number one in on the weekend it came out says something. Yeah. Because uh, I wasn't able to see what other films were released around that time to see what like uh like what the marquee said. But enough people wanted to go see Chuck Norris, um, spin kick things or or have feet come out of nowhere and hit people. You know. So that was, I think that's good.
2: I feel like in the tradition of both Die Hard and Gremlins, I, I'm gonna now count this as a Christmas movie.
0: Right. I have that in my notes. So that's. Uh, <laughs> I think that's fair. So, uh, before we get into uh, the, the the cast, uh, you know Chuck Norris and company, we'll display the trailer and then we'll talk about it after that. Merry Christmas! Can I put the star up this year? Time for dinner.
2: No one thought it could ever happen here they are an army of international terrorists america has not been invaded by a foreign enemy in nearly 200
0: years their target america their objective control eighteen hours from now america
1: will be a different place now only one thing stands in their way It's time to die.
2: Didn't work, huh? Now it will. They wanted a war. See you in hell? He gave them
1: one. Send me a postcard. Chuck Norris.
0: Invasion USA.
2: I will say that uh, if the Grim Reaper is real, if there is some sort of entity that comes to me when I'm like at death's door, I hope it takes the form of Chuck Norris (laughs) and appears in my, like, you know, I'm hoping that I go in like my bed at like age 100 but like, you know, it's just him. Not being
0: shot by a grenade launcher out of an office building. (laughs) But I hope it looks like... By Chuck (laughs) Norris.
2: And he just whispers, time to die. (laughs) Just funny listening to that trailer without watching it, he
0: just his his gravity of like line delivery is terrible. Where it's like, <laughs> I'll send you a postcard. It's, but that's not why people go to see Chuck Norris films, right? So uh, yeah, it's just I I could have did a big deep dive on Chuck Norris. I probably should have, but everybody knows who he is. I know he's kind of become the joke right now, but the guy was a legitimate action star, a legitimate martial artist, um, and he had a look. I mean, just maybe not the strongest of voices or presence.
2: I will say that he's a joke in the sense that, like, it's a fun joke, and I think he's kind of in on it, where it's like, the jokes are about him being tough, whereas, like, with, say, a Steven Seagal, the jokes are totally at his expense. Like, most Chuck Norris jokes are about him kicking your ass or being tougher than anything that you're going to run into. Well, yeah, so if if, if told me... They're in good jest. Like, nobody's making, like, jokes about Steven Seagal, you know, like... His tears can cure cancer, you know, but the problem is he's never cried like that kind of thing. So,
0: yeah, I was going to say, if someone said to me, hey, they're all making fun of how awesome you are. I'd be like, oh, OK, I guess I can let that happen. You know, yeah. like, so uh, but it just he, you know, he was in, um, oh, was it or the dragon uh, with Bruce Lee? I think he was in that or because uh, he was in a oh. Bruce Lee film and I know that the, the, the story yeah. goes that they're doing a scene. He actually got one strike off on, on Bruce and then, like the next time they shot the scene. Bruce Lee just opened up on him, just kicked his ass because he actually got like one hit on him, Bruce. Mm-hmm. So how many people could say they got a hit on Bruce Lee? You know him and maybe Will Chamberlain. Well, I never had the chance. Yeah, I just yeah, I, you're right. <laughs> all, all this, all this training for nothing, Steve. I to, I'm sorry I to tell you, but Bruce Lee is dead. Uh, but yeah, I mean he was you know he was a commodity, and then with Canon, they actually signed him to like a six picture deal after um, the success of the missing missing in action films. Uh, which we'll talk about that more in a second. But, you know, he was in a position to to be a box office draw and canon. They overpaid him and Charles Bronson to keep them as like their stable like, go-to action guys, even though Bronson, I don't know how much action he was committing to in the 80s. But as, well, as we can see at 10 to midnight, he ran a little bit.
2: At 10 to midnight, <laughs> I think he was like
0: 65 already. Something so. like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, just him holding up uh, the sexual device and shaking it is considered an action, an action sequence. So, all right. So, this film was directed by Joseph Zito, uh, which uh, Steve will be happy to know that he directed Friday the 13th, final chapter. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. And you it's know. The I just, best I, Friday
2: the 13th. I, the, I didn't know if you knew that or not. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know my Joe Zito.
0: Uh, and then he also directed, like, Submission, in A- Missing in Action and Red Scorpion, which yeah. I, I, I've never seen Red Scorpion. Is it? uh
2: so. You know, I honestly, <laughs> I just got, I was like, oh, I know my, yeah. Yeah, my you know, I feel Joe like Zito. I saw it once and right. I honestly don't have any like significant memories of it, unfortunately. Yeah, okay. me neither.
0: I just, the title's cool and I, I don't think I've ever seen it. It's um, London, right? It's, it's a Dolph, yeah, London, it's Dolph London. Yeah, it's Dolph Um. So Zito actually, uh, he uh, had went to what, I saw this trivia here and I wrote it down, the American film market in the 80s and was uh, showing interest in doing a Doctor Strange film, and that never happened. But then he also got stuck on pre-production on Canon Spider-Man film for a year. So this guy actually wanted to make Marvel movies like in the <laughs> 80s. And the one that Dr. Strange never got it, never happened. And then he got stuck in that, like, you know, production hell of Spider-Man for a year and devoted all his time to Spider-Man and never got to make the film. Wow. Yeah um but he like so he doesn't have the biggest filmography he also did a horror movie in the 70s called The Prowler which I have not seen but I know people reference
2: yeah The Prowler Prowler's pretty decent um I just watched that recently on Amazon in the last like two months uh and I, only because I was like oh it's it's the the one movie that he directed previously that I was unaware of and um it's decent I could see why you would pick him like watching that movie why you would go oh yeah he's a natural fit for Friday the 13th but
0: what about, um, like, an Invasion USA, do you feel like... <laughs>
2: well, I mean, that's the funny thing about, like, there's... While there's not action action in Friday the 13th, like, the movie, like, has a stronger visual feel, I think, than any of the other, the other movies. Like, he's far more brutal in four than he is in the first three, in my opinion. So, I mean, granted, the first one is... We're going off on a Friday the 13th <laughs> tangent, so, um, no, but... Uh, well, like I think that it's, that's the best looking of that series and has some of the best kills. Okay. Um, so I could see why you might pick him, particularly since four came out and was huge, uh, why you might pick him to go on and do an action movie for you. Like I, I can see it. Um, so,
0: so, um, yeah, I, I just, I I guess I wasn't that familiar with his work other than like the Friday 13th and, um, yeah, So I just, sometimes you get these these directors that come in for this. They're also guns for hire that they've done other things. And this turns out to not necessarily be the case where he's done something but not like a, a lot of stuff. And not, not a lot after this either. Uh, so we already talked about Chuck Norris, which I put in my notes. Is Chuck Norris is Matt Hunter as Chuck Norris because I don't think he ever actually takes on a character. I just think he just wears different types of denim. I think yeah. that's really like <laughs> he's, he just shows up to set with what he's wearing and he's like, oh, I guess we're ready now. Like I'm in character. Uh, i'm matt norris or whatever
2: so you don't have to give the character name but i'm curious between the two of you what's your other favorite like charles charles norris (laughs) your favorite (laughs) chuck norris mr
0: charlesford norris
2: uh film you know like is it delta force is it missing in action i guess i only gave you two options you can pick (laughs) Uh, another one but
1: well mine is um silent rage I was just Which looking is, at that the
2: other day. I was
1: gonna buy it on it Blu-ray. It's odd. It's an odd movie. Don't, have you seen it? I've not the, seen that the, one. The serial
0: it, killer, right? He's trying to stalk yeah, them. But and, it's like a horror movie. Okay.
1: And but it's also got Kung Fu in it. And I think it's got I think it's got Stephen Furst from Animal House in it too. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not <laughs> Please sure. Please tell me they're partners. I think they are. <laughs> uh I, I watched it again or most of it at least recently and it, you know it's a little different than what I remember it but it's still it's a good movie. That it's either that or Octagon which was I remember vividly um going to the drive-in and seeing that movie which I, my parents took me to see movies that I probably shouldn't have.
0: I mean oh, it was that's, the, that's parental guidance suggested. I mean <laughs> I was probably like I was probably like 6 oh, well. or
1: 7. I don't know that movie is old. And
2: they probably took you to thinking, oh, he'll fall asleep early,
1: right? Right. Well, they took me to you know, to see Road Warrior and and Caddyshack. This I sounds was, like perfect parenting to <laughs> me, I was, yeah. right? I was too young to see
2: those
0: <laughs> things. Well, like, I've, t- I've told Steve before, like, we'd go to the video store, my mom would rent stuff because of the cover, so we saw some really messed up oh. stuff because she's like, well, that looks like a good one, and it, <laughs> like, it, yeah. So I, I can sympathize with that. My favorite Chuck Norris movie, I I realized that I've not seen a lot of his stuff. Yeah. Like now that I think about it, like, like this. And then, um, his, when he showed up in what was the expendables two, it was kind of fun. Cause he was known as the lone wolf. And like, he would just kind of, he would almost show up like Steve Buscemi and Billy Madison where it's like, I'm glad, I'm glad I called, <laughs> called that, that guy. guy. Cause they'd be like all fighting and stuff. And then all of a sudden like, they'd be cornered and you'd hear like a couple shots. You'd just seen the distance. Like Chuck Norris is kind of nod and move on. It's like, and then they'd ask me, like, why don't you join our crew? He was like, I'm a lone wolf. It's like, a, yeah, of course you are. But it was still kind of fun. Uh, all
2: you right. Know, I was just curious.
0: Yeah. I need I need to see more Chuck Norris. I just realized that uh that I'm actually lacking in a lot of that because I know I've heard the Octagons a real good film, like actually like a pretty legitimate film.
1: Breaker Breaker is fantastic. Also. Is he a truck driver in that? Yes.
0: Oh, a truck driver that just keeps his that leg one, out the window and kicks. That people.
1: one. There's a Rift Tracks version of it that's gold. <laughs> you definitely have to watch that
0: one. Perfect. Uh, so we also have the other the other lead in this. I started I started trying to take notes from everybody else. I just, there was nobody that was really in anything else in this yeah. film. Uh, well, I mean Richard Lynch Richard but... Lynch I was going to talk about he is Mikhail Rostov well-recognized character actor um, and it, it, there's he has a unique look about him yes uh, because he uh earlier in his life he tried to commit suicide by setting himself on fire and he lived and then became an actor and a pretty convincing actor like I had a lot of fun with him
2: yeah I, I'm sorry <laughs> I thought I heard I thought Ryan was jumping in oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, no. <laughs> Well, yeah, um, he's, he's really good in this. I mean, I I honestly can say that I don't have a lot of experience with a lot of Richard. Or looking at his filmography, I, I realize that there are a lot of his films that I haven't seen. Um, but I do enjoy like when he would pop up in small parts. Like he's the principal in, uh, the uh, Halloween remake by Rob Zombie. Like, and it's a bit role, but like, I. I I think he's one of those interesting actors that no matter where you plugged him into, he did he usually gave a good performance.
0: Yeah. Uh, so my introduction to him, I mean, uh, being aware who he was was that film Bad Dreams I watched last year for the blog that was uh, a riff on Nightmare on Elm Street.
2: Yeah, and I still haven't watched that one. I need to. <laughs> it's
0: it's weird, but uh, he plays a character that was set on fire like oh. and died and then he's like showing up in the afterlife and then there's a bit in the movie where he covers himself in gasoline and lights himself on fire and it messes with my brain because i'm like you did that once yeah <laughs> why are you like are you the one person on the set's like you know what guys i got this like what <laughs> it just it was it, i don't know what what mindset you had to be in to be like i'm gonna film a scene in which i set myself on fire <laughs> but it was unnerving
2: he uh, he, uh... For the most part, unless like I feel like it's around his lips where it's the most noticeable. Like he doesn't look like your typical burn victim, though.
0: No, Um, I mean if you're if you're based not off of Freddy, no.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying that like I've seen actual like burns. Like I I grew up with a kid who, um, when he was like real young, he knocked a pot of boiling water uh, onto his (laughs) back, (laughs) and uh, like how that healed and it was you know, it was luckily not on his face, but it was all down his arm and his shoulder. No. Um, so, I mean, I, I've I've seen, you know, we've all seen, obviously, like, burn, burns on real people, <laughs> but, like, uh, for I mean, the way it healed, I would say that, he, like...
0: He was fortunate. Yes, yeah. uh, absolutely. So, yeah, it's, like I said, very recognizable, and we'll talk about his performance more as we go into this, I'm sure. Uh, the only other person I want to mention, just because she happens to be in the movie, is Melissa Prophet, and I don't feel like... She was very good in this, but I also feel like she was given nothing to do in this. She was the McGuire, the reporter on the go with the camera, always calling Chuck Norris oh, cowboy.
2: I kind of feel like if they could have cut her out of the movie, they would have. I
0: know. but that's She's just it
2: an important scene, so they couldn't.
0: Because she doesn't provide anything in, no. the, in terms of the story. Unfortunately, uh, she was a newscaster in Action Jackson. I just want to mention that we have oh, <laughs> our Action
1: Jackson connection. So did she go on to become a newscaster in real life? Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: maybe. I, I just uh, you know, you got typecast holding a camera and then reporting the news. Uh, so the, there's other people in here too. Like there's I, there's faces I recognize, but I, you know, it's it, it feels like these people were always in like a lot of these '80s films. But there was yeah. nothing really of importance that caught me. Well, you got Billy Drago yeah um, I I couldn't speak <laughs> to him yeah uh, but yeah he was in it uh, and then there's some other like the one guy who got his hand stabbed like he was in a couple things but mm. it's nothing that really like rang a bell
2: I think that's how they credited him in the film guy who gets his hand stabbed
0: maybe because it's pretty <laughs> like I'll give I'll give Chuck Norris credit like that interrogation scene as stupid as it is when he puts his elbow on the knife and starts like and like props his head up to be like now nah, you're gonna tell me something that's kind of funny yeah yeah uh, <laughs> But, yeah, so um, I'm going to put Ryan on the spot. What's the plot of Invasion of USA? Uh,
1: okay, so apparently it's a Soviet terrorist who, I guess, gets a bunch of, I guess they're supposed to be Cuban
0: yeah, the communists,
1: Cuban- even though none of them actually look Cuban. But they're supposed to be Cuban communists who, you know, invade florida and i guess they were supposed to expand throughout the u.s i don't know if they don't actually talk about that if they do or not but uh yeah and (laughs) it's i don't know the the logic behind it the their leader rostov is Completely unhinged. Even though everyone says he's a great leader and is is, has got it's a true. great plan, and he is just has zero plan and has one thing in mind to to kill
2: uh, Matt Hunter. Yeah, I I, I don't know. <laughs> I will I will say that uh, Rostov also has one great gimmick where he was like, "What's my thing as a villain? I know I'll shoot people in the dick whenever I get a chance."
0: <laughs> Yeah, well, so uh, I think that like they, was they, they stopped the Cuban boat full of the of the people trying to get to America because one of them revealed that they're actually harboring a bunch of drugs, that they killed all those people, took the drugs, sold the drugs to buy uh, military equipment, I think is what yeah, it was. guns yeah. and yeah. trucks. And, and, yeah. and then they do like a D-Day style invasion on the beachfront and then they have like 87 trucks in a row and they send everybody off to a different city. Like, they're like, here, you go to Miami, you go, you know, to Detroit or whatever. I'm like, I didn't hear Cleveland in that list of, like, possible targets. (laughs) So I don't know if that's a good thing or they're just like, no one cares about Cleveland. (laughs) Um, But I also like that uh, it felt like the Amazon Prime of, like, terrorists, where it's like, okay, guys, we got to get these out now. we got 18 (laughs) hours to (laughs) cause as much terror. Uh, But yeah, Rostov has, like, a personal vendetta against Hunter because there's a dream sequence in which he has the dream of remembering the time that he was trying to assassinate the president. I think a president with a a grenade launcher is like the de facto weapon in this film. Everybody has a grenade launcher.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You should either have a rocket launcher, grenade launcher, or shoot people in the dick. Those are your three choices. (laughs) Yeah. If you're a villain in this film.
0: But I like that. So they have this big plan in place and... Uh, the the guys are like, we're, we're, this is going to be great. We're going to do all this, and he's like, "But we got to get we got to get Hunter." He's like, "No, no, no! Don't worry about him. He's retired." It's like, "No, <laughs> we have to go get him." So you find Chuck Norris living out in the bayou or something, like in the swamps of Miami,
2: which I will say is like one of my favorite like eighties movie action cliches, where it's like. The the hero of the film always has to be like living in seclusion somewhere where he's he's left the war behind and he's just a man of peace now, you know. And then uh, you know at some point the the villains will show up and then kill everyone around him. And then, you know, uh, then he has to go into action, but
0: there was multiple times where Rostov's like, no, 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 it's over. We got him. Yeah. And it's like, no one bothered to go poking through like, <laughs> like the woods or whatever, like the beams are like, no, 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 we blew up everything. Him, him, and that armadillo are dead. We're fine. Well, it's right. like,
2: if you look at, uh, for instance, like commando, you know, the movie starts off with him living with his daughter until, you know, the bad guys show up, uh, Rambo they come and get him out of seclusion to go back to Vietnam to bring home some guys like it's just in Afghanistan much, and <laughs> Afghanistan later on uh because uh his uh I'm sure that worked out His commander gets uh, caught but like in the fourth one too yeah God damn it <laughs> like, it's always like they're off living somewhere peacefully until the war finds them
0: yeah pretty much and with this it's like I don't know what Chuck Norris's goal was, sorry, Matt Hunter's goal was to be like, I'm going to live in this, like, ramshackle thing in the middle of nowhere and cut some wood and then laugh at the armadillo that's trying to turn over its bowl of armadillo milk or whatever it was I was drinking. Because he has that moment of, like, kind of, like, reacting to it. And I don't, yeah. I'm don't i pretty sure that that's not what he was reacting to, but the editor found a way to do something kind of <laughs> nice in there. And they just shot B-roll of an armadillo. Um, but then, like, there's this whole thing with swamp boats that are, like, the airboats. And it's yeah. like... It, it, it's badass looking like you know like i want to be it know. did
2: feel very gi joe like the cartoon series like in that yeah. respect
0: <laughs> but it's just like there's four airboats and guys with these huge guns it's like no one bothered checking like you know they had to get these airboats from somewhere and it's like what are you guys going to do hunting and they just have these huge guns um but but you also have chuck norris what was it, uh, dealing with an alligator at the beginning
2: yeah where he well he's like, a gator farmer yeah <laughs>
0: yeah i guess that's what he does right (laughs) but he he, credit to him he actually does address the gator like they actually do tie up the mouth and everything so it isn't like they fake that so i guess chuck norris is tougher than a gator i I don't i don't know but
2: (laughs) to be fair his indian friend did most of the work (laughs) yeah
0: uh so the whole thing is that they go to kill him and they he, he comes out of like retirement just to go find Rostov and like the government agencies are like, no, leave him alone, there's bigger problems. So he doesn't even care to really save the world either. He wants to get, take care of Rostov and Rostov doesn't care about taking over the world. He's supposed to go after Hunter. So I feel like this two have got a room at the beginning of the movie and that would have been <laughs> it.
2: Yeah, now that I think about it, because like, it's not even that he's going to come back and like serve his country. It's not until he finds out that Rostov is still out <laughs> out there and might be back that he decides to, you know, team up with uh, whatever the do we ever find out is it CIA, what is the consortium Consorted that CIA, he's working yeah, for?
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like the ah, Jesus. It's terrible.
0: <laughs> it's like that
1: one nerdy guy keeps showing up throughout the whole movie to and then I don't know, I think Chuck Norris grabs him like three or four times to yell at him and
0: there's well, a bit where he's eating at like the hot dog <laughs> diner or whatever, and he's like, Fine, I'll do it and he just leaves. It leaves the bill for that guy to pay. Yeah. Uh,
2: but at the same time I had to wonder how, how much was that bill? Like, you know, it was probably yeah. like six dollars. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he had a hot dog and a beer, six dollars.
0: So I, I- i had watched the first half of this film about what 2 years ago with with you steve we were watching yeah. it for a party here and we were i was too drunk and i and i got to so i will say that the first part of this film i remember like the the airboats and then the mall but then like the rest of it was all just blurry yeah i did not remember the sequence with rostov confronting the drugs like the drug guy And his, in his little (laughs) office with the, the prostitute or junkie snorting the cocaine off the mirror. So whenever, you know, the deal is done and Rostov just brings his hand down and just like causes the Coke straw to go into her like brain. I had, I actually reeled back watching the movie. I'm like, that just happened. Yeah. Like what the heck? And then he shoots the, you know, the guy in the dick and then shoots him (laughs) out the window. But yeah, like brutal. That was like, I was not expecting that kind of brutality.
2: Yeah, I will say that, you know, I I talked about the the glowing memory of like seeing that all, all the time at the uh, video rental area of my local Kroger. But that is one of the standout scenes that I always remember. Like it was always the one that was like, remember when that that girl was snorting cocaine and she <laughs> you know, she gets shoved down on the straw and it goes up into her brain. Like that was always for whatever reason one of those like visual cues that I think me and my friends would always talk about from that movie. So I don't know why I think it's unique. It's probably why because you don't you don't see it coming and then when it happens it's so horrifying i'm sure christopher
0: nolan's like i could probably top that with a pencil right (laughs) It's it's so sudden and savage uh i mean i guess it just speaks to rostov being like so we find out like we I, we did some reading about the movie, I'm sure independently, that there was a lot of story in this film that was just edited out, but yeah. you still got this kind of weird code of honor that Rostov has where he'll he'll deal with the drug dealers to get the money, but then the moment it's done, he kills the drug dealers.
2: Do you think that was honor, though? I just thought it was him being a dick. Well, like... I mean,
0: honor's maybe not the right word, <laughs> but it's like, you know, he even viewed like, he's a criminal. You yeah. know? They're criminals, but he still thinks they're less of a criminal than he is, or less of a person, I should say.
2: I just thought he was taking what he wanted.
0: Well, that too. And don't, and, uh, you know, you don't, you don't have to leave anybody behind, but I like how the guy ran the hotel right up, saw all the cocaine lying around, heard the cop cars and then grabbed the suitcase. <laughs> grabbed
1: it and ran. Yeah. he's just like, all right, I'm retiring.
0: Like I'm out, you know? Um, So I, I feel like there was probably more story beats with Rostov in there that we just don't get. And I, I kind of wish because I feel like Richard Lynch, he's, he's an internet. Like, like we talked about him being an interesting character, Like the guy could carry a scene. Mm. But most of the time, and Ryan, you're right, it's like he was this person that's supposed to be this man with a plan, but he was just driven by, like, the vengeance of Hunter. He
1: was definitely a, an over-the-top villain, though. I, I'll give him that. Like, he
2: was mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you just got full Ryan right there. He he said he was mean. <laughs> well,
0: like, so they want, like, this collapse of, like, Western civilization, but they'll hang out, like, a resort while they're waiting for the next phase of the plan to Which happen. Which is
2: really weird, because the one guy's just, like, in a Speedo, like, watching TV. Uh, yeah, that was weird. <laughs>
0: but I also like it, because there's the one guy that's unrelated to them that's, like, hearing the news. He's yeah. like, ah, like, oh, it's about time that happened. It's like, there's these guys sitting <laughs> at the table being like, we're the reason we're here to destroy you. And he's just yeah. like, sure, you know, uh... But I, I do want to back up because I sent this to Steve last night. Um, when the the boats were deploying on the beach, the next day the cops were there <laughs> investigating. I, I forgot about this. And um, and and Ryan, did, Ryan, I'll show you this picture. Did you see this last night? I sent this to Steve. I'll show you. This is from the movie. Um, I'll post this on the website later. Um, I want I want you to explain to me what's going on with this cop car. <laughs> what what's going on? What what's the cop car doing in this beach scene? <laughs> I don't know, but it's it's
1: uh it's stuck there. That's for sure. <laughs> and that must be what they're talking about. Like,
0: yeah, because like the, the two guys in the foreground are don't they walk into the cameras panning? <laughs> don't right?
1: look at those guys. And it's
0: like and then you see this cop car in the background that's just sitting on this beach. It's not even like a nice beach. It's like a clumpy clumpy beach of some yeah. sort, right? And it's like and it's just the cop car's there. The cops, there's some cops around, and I'm like, there's not even tire tracks behind the cop car. I don't even know how they got it there. <laughs> yeah. So I have questions about this movie. Um, but I saw that. I'm like, what? I don't know what's going on there. Um, but, yeah, so in terms of this, like, I, I will say I was generally surprised by the first hour because I felt like it actually was paced okay. Mm-hmm. And it took a little while to get, get going with the whole invasion aspect, which the whole thing is supposed to be. And there's hints of it in the movie where these guys go in and um, act like they're cops or or military and then start causing havoc, and then they leave a couple witnesses. So then when the actual law enforcement comes in, people don't trust them and cause further problems. And it's supposed to be spiking this type of, like, you know, uh, riot-type feeling across the country. And, the, and as the movie goes on, it gets bigger and bigger, where you get the idea that it's like, they're bringing in the National Guard and all this, just try to quell this, and they can't figure out what's going on. I thought that was a cool idea. Yeah. Uh, so I thought the build-up in the first hour was actually was pretty good.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's... <sighs> A lot of this movie goes from, like, terrorist act to Chuck Norris scene, terrorist act to Chuck Norris scene. But they're they're threaded together, at least, in a way that you can at least see that there is a concerted – not a concerted effort, but there's a – there is a plan, at least behind it. Even if we don't believe raw stuff is really going to come up with that plan, there does seem to be some sort of structural, like – Planning to how these events are supposed to play out and how it's supposed to cause panic among the uh, the public.
0: Well, because there's the sequence, whatever. Um, there's the Hispanic uh, couples like out like the having like a, like a dance or something, like a little party. And then the, the the cops show up, and the one guy's like, "Come on, man! Like, can you just, like can you just like leave us alone?" Like, versus yeah. the last guys, and then those cops turn out to be terrorists, and they just start shooting people. And then the moment the cops they leave, the real cops show up, and then everybody there just starts throwing rocks at those cops and causing like you know, it in a weird way. This canon film, as as tone deaf as it is at times, that sequence felt like wow that. You know, I hate that that movie's from 1985 and that still feels like a thing that we're actually having to deal with.
2: Yeah. Um, Except the it's actual cops and not terrorists. <laughs> I, oh, did yeah, I say that? I'm sorry. No, no,
0: no. I, my point is is that if the plan of this guy, of Rostov, was to, to destabilize trust and, like, authority, I, this is a movie I, unfortunately, I feel like you could actually probably do an update of, like a remake, and if you did the right thinking about it, it could be an interesting take and a very scary idea.
2: Yeah. It 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 brings to mind, and, and I'm not going to go into this discussion uh, because we may talk about it later. Um, but like the remake of Death Wish could have really tapped into what's going on right now as a country, and it it just it it doesn't it falls <laughs> on its keys. And like when you say like this could be remade, like I, I honestly feel like a lot of things that were happening in the '80s, at least with our culture and um, even the things that are being reflected in our entertainment, the repression that's happening in the United States at this time uh, is very similar to the way it was in the eighties. And uh, there's a lot of the things that happened in this movie that I'm like, wow, this feels very, very much like uh, something that would happen today. Not, not Rostov, not, you know, the extreme of some of the, the things, but like certainly, you know, the way they deal with, uh, um, heck! Even the beginning of the movie, I said "heck" instead of "hell" for some reason. Like I stopped myself. <laughs> like, oh God, don't say "heck." Gosh, yeah. Um, penis. Just say it. <laughs> need to say it. Uh, but just even refugees coming to this country, like yeah. you know, that's a huge thing going on right now. So, like well, they're having, definitely and themes. having
0: Rostov and company look like they're the you know the Coast Guard or yeah. whatever, and then they just, they're like welcome to America, and then they just open fire. Mm-hmm. That feels horrible now. Like it was bad then, but it feels horrible right now. Yeah. Um, so, so you're saying that this movie, like, there's a lot here that could happen today um how how often do you think people would just randomly drive up the school buses full of children and put plastic explosives (laughs) on the side of the bus just on the, i mean just you know if you're going to target this target a school bus full of kids with a you know a detonator
2: yeah i mean (laughs) it's plausible sure
0: uh do you like that, like, so we talked about the the second half of the movie being kind of like this loosely threaded together thing of bad guys do stuff. Chuck Norris shows up like a superhero to stop them. That one was confusing to me because he just seemed to be already in line with, like, traffic. Yeah. And he just happened to see something in the distance. And then he was trying to drive normally, but then he got upset and then drove on the other side of the road through construction to chase down the detonator. Yeah. Like, how did he even know that happened?
2: Wouldn't it have been amazing if he put it on the wrong car? <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Like, like, like a special needs bus Like he goes from one bus to a special needs bus
2: Or he picks it up and then he accidentally drops it <laughs>
0: So what what was What was your guys' favorite random Chuck Norris Heroic moments In this film
2: So I don't know if it qualifies And I, I promise I'll let you speak at some time Ryan uh, <laughs> it's all right. But uh, I don't know if it's Is this specific- how you guys
0: create comics Where you're like I'm just going to sit in a room This is what's going to happen <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, this is very much indicative. <laughs> uh, no, um I, I like to think we're a little bit more collaborative than that, but uh I do have a big personality. Um the um
0: uh, blah, blah, blah. Chuck Norris moment.
2: Yeah, I don't know if it's technically what I would call a moment, but I would say the sequence in the mall. Okay. Is still really impressive because, and I think partially because I have very fond memories of going to the mall when I was that age and like Christmas shopping with my parents and like
0: throwing gum on trucks. Well, yeah,
2: that too. (laughs) But like, it felt very much like the Sandusky Mall where I grew up. So like, that whole action sequence has that tied to it but like there's some really cool stuff that happens in that scene i mean they're driving a truck around in the middle of a mall uh there's tons of extras like everywhere um mm-hmm. and then obviously you know chuck norris shows up and and you know he's got his mini guns and starts taking people out but
0: like i'm sure the mini guns that, are effective but they just don't always strike the biggest <laughs> profile for me where no. it looks like he's just doing like finger guns at the sides
1: <laughs> by his hips <laughs> The, the little belt straps don't help either. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of kind of weird.
0: Yeah, it's like I'm sure that's probably the most efficient way. Like we, like after watching John Wick, like I will never like say okay, that's the most efficient way to kill a bunch of bad guys. But it's like you're Chuck Norris, and you're just like mini guns. Like I just feel like it was this weird little like you know. Well, the,
2: the other thing I was gonna say was, uh, you know, that mall sequence extends out because it, they take the chase out onto the road too, mm-hmm. which I think works really well. There's there's a, a, a stunt woman who's literally hanging off the side of a car or uh, is it a truck or a car? I can't no, it's it's that, it's it's that Nissan uh, yeah.
0: vehicle. And but it look, it looks like there's definitely a fake arm holding her in place <laughs> as the guy's driving.
2: But still, they're like they're not faking that because there's yeah. no way to really like fake it at that time. So.
0: I mean, do you think that you know Canon would be like, "It's, you know, if we lose that woman, it's it's fine. <laughs> it's one less person to pay, right?" Uh
2: She was probably one of the like Golan Globus family members yeah, or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So so right, what was your favorite Chuck Norris uh moment? Uh I don't know. There's
1: uh him throwing the bomb on the guys. I mean it's just such a stupid <laughs> line to throw out there. It's so cliche. But
0: Well and how fast uh, he grabs that suitcase that's detonated with the cord. Right, and
1: like they didn't see him grab it and run across the street <laughs> while they were like trying to blow it up. I don't I don't know. It just
0: uh, I like the whole, like, because when you get to the, like, basically these vignettes of him stopping terrorism, which is what, ha- like, basically that's what the movie is in the second half. <laughs> The bit when he's walking through the county fair, and I'm like, what's he doing in a county fair? And then the camera moves with them, and you see like the little tiny kitty ride just destroyed. I'm just like, what happened here? <laughs> and, and then the guy comes over. He's like, yo, this is what you go for trying to stop Rostov. He's like, this is what I get for not stopping him earlier or whatever. It's like, yeah. You should
2: have let me kill him when I had the chance.
0: But I like this deserted county fair with just like blown up rides, but it was this, this reveal that I did not see it coming. And I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> And he was just so solemn about it because Chuck thought, Norris doesn't emote.
2: You thought maybe he was just going for some fair food. <laughs> Where is everybody? Yeah, I uh, really wanted a corn dog. I stopped off. What is going on? The only time
0: in the movie I see him try to emote was when he was sitting on the bed in the hotel for the obvious like raid to capture him. And he was, that
2: felt unnatural. But he was—he was just like
0: he looked like he was pissed off watching that movie. And uh, Steve, do you know what the movie was?
2: It was uh, was it Earth versus the, the Martians or Earth flying the flying saucers? Yeah, which
0: is, we use sound from that in our regular intro. <laughs> so there's your invasion connection. But like he was looking at like it was almost like he's like, I could I could beat those UFOs. Like what is, what's the government doing? Like he's just like he was just judging this film. And then the guys show up and they're like, we caught you. And he like what was it? He had something in his hands. It was just the TV remote, right? Yeah. Like, he just says something snide and then they capture him. Like or they arrest him? And then they let him speak his mind on public TV for being the terrorist. Yeah. And he openly openly threatens Rostov. <laughs> like, is that what you do to terrorists? You just give them the platform to, to spout, like, you know, what they're going to say? Time to talk. Time to talk. And it's like, what do you want to say? It's like, I know you're out there, Rostov. Like, it's like, you're not cutting a wrestling promo right now. You're, you're actually being arrested for terrorism. Yeah. <laughs> Um, mean Gene Okerlund standing what next it felt to like, you know? <laughs> um, So I watching this, like I, you know, it was a lot of fun, but I felt like like the last twenty five minutes of this film, it's always a bad sign when I go and pause a film, like how much is left. Not that I wasn't having fun, but it just became this big just barrage.
2: Well, to be um, fair, I did that like within the first fifteen minutes of Solar Babies. I'm like, God, I've been watching yeah. this for like what an hour. Oh well, God, that's, I'm fifteen minutes in. That's a
0: goddamn classic. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. To touch your mouth. You know, Bodie. You know, uh, <laughs> and other people in that film. And Bodie was the ball. I remember his name, but not is. Well, wait, actually, does is a, does a ball have gender? I don't even know if that's even the case. I don't think so. Yeah, its name is Bodie. I don't remember anybody else's names in that. Um, but yeah, like I when it got to the big siege of Atlanta where this is happening it was impressive the number of vehicles and men you saw on screen but it just became this whole big blur of just shooting back and forth and then there was the slow unfolding you know stalking in the building above (laughs) with chuck norris that they kept cutting back and forth to and i just started kind of checking out and I, i hated that i did that but it just it just felt like it wasn't ending and I didn't. I don't know if you guys had the same type of like getting beaten submission with just constant gunfire that didn't serve it, a purpose. It, it
1: yeah. It's like they filmed so much of the uh, uh, tanks and a ton of extras running around shooting. They were like, we got to keep it in there because <laughs> we filmed so much of it. We spent so much money on it. We have helicopters and tanks and yeah. Well, it, it's it's a tough. thing. you know the weird thing though just. I, I just watched the end of it last night again. It after he shoots Rostov, it just ends. Like that's it. <laughs> like it's credits.
0: Like you were expecting like like a like um a, a New Hope medal scene where he gets like a, Something. a a medal and and the reporter gets a medal for just happening to be around and Ironically,
2: though, I think Force, Delta Force ends the same way. He blows up uh, Robert Forrester, and like, I don't, think that's credit do its...
0: spoil it for me. Okay, it's... well. Well, no, the end of 10 to Midnight is, you know.
2: Charles Bronson Br- shooting him, and yeah. And that's it. And it's like, but that's oh. a climax to the film. Like, this just felt like, like they're, they're trying to make a point, at least, with 10 to Midnight, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Um,
0: uh, yeah. Well, I, I feel like that was kind of a thing that you would do then where it's like, oh, we done with the story, we're done. Like, uh, not that this is not the same caliber of film um, <laughs> to compare it to, but uh, it was 86 fly. Like, that movie just resolves and it's done, you know? So maybe that was a, like the style then where people would be like, all right, we're, we're going to just like knock you over and then there's credits and you got to deal with what happens as opposed to giving you like a five, ten minute soft landing after the climax.
2: Yeah, I have two things. Oh, well, now three things, because uh, you said soft uh, landing a- after the climax. Um, but uh, no, uh, one is uh, when you said 86 to fly, I was like, I didn't realize that you were referencing the fly from 86. I'm like, what is 86 to fly? I'm like, is that a movie that I've never heard of? And then I realized what it was. Second of all, I, and I, I'll honestly say that I probably enjoy this more, but like my comparison for this in modern terms is Man of Steel. Man of Steel feels like it's nothing but explosions and fighting for the last mm-hmm. like half hour, to the point where you're just bored with it. Um, you kind of don't even care about Superman at that point. So like, can I see him save somebody for for a minute? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so like, yeah, it feels very much in line with that. Um, I guess it's hard though because there's so much spectacle in this movie. You know, I mean, we glossed over the fact that they blew up a real neighborhood. Like, it was going to be demolished. Yeah, I
0: forgot to mention the the, the Christmas attack, which yeah. uh, the, well, also that part of the mall was being re- um, redone, too. That's why they were able to destroy that during the filming. And that's pretty cool. Like, yeah. the sequence, there's actually a bit in the, in the 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 suburban, like, street attack, which I don't know why they chose their target, but they did. Maybe they didn't want their girl to put the star on the tree, and they're just like, screw that. We're going to blow up the whole entire city street. Uh, once they do that... The movie, for for once in the movie, and it's the only time it really happens, it lingers, yeah, on the destruction, and it's probably like what, like a minute after, and you see the camera just slowly moves across the street, and you, you see the buildings and flames and and um, all the the people running out and crying and screaming and running like to their cars. That not that this movie needed to be like deadly serious. But a little bit more weight like that, I think, would have went a a lot farther for this film. Mm -hmm. And that was actually one of those moments of, like, that's really kind of haunting. For as close as Invasion USA can be haunting. Right. Yeah.
2: Uh, I will also say that uh, they also have a weird thing of, like... We're gonna set something up with, uh, you know, the villains destroying something. We should probably pan to a couple making out somewhere. Because there's the couple on the beach, and yeah, there's then there's a lot the of couple on, on the in the car when the neighborhood's gonna get blown up. And I feel like there's one other scene where there's like, and it's not like nudity or anything like that. It's just like. Yeah, you know, oh, young love.
1: Oh, the Cuban people dancing. Yeah. There's yeah. probably some people making out there.
0: Well, at the, 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 the beginning, with the couple's making on the beach, like the one guy just walks up and he's like, because the the, the invasion's about to happen, he just looks at him, shoots them both point blank, and then just watches Johnny Carson on the TV and kind of yeah. smiles at. And I'm like, oh, Johnny gets to live. And then like two seconds later, when the troops are marching through, they break the TV and they step on that guy's legs. <laughs> Do you notice? Like they're stepping yeah, they're on
1: like rubber. They're yeah. like <laughs> crushing their. Stomping them.
0: Yeah, I was like, "Well, that, that's not good." Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of weird making out. There's also these weird like stories that there was the two guys cleaning the car. They were washing the car. Oh yeah, and now it's like that. You know, they were upset because the one guy ran over their bucket of water, and then it, and then it all culminates with a grenade falling out of a window and blowing up the car. So, it's like you get this whole like three act play of these guys and like, <laughs> like you know, cleaning a car, trying to fight Chuck Norris, and then losing their car in the middle of this movie. Because um, that was during the, the hand stabbed interrogation. Yeah. He puts the grenade in the, other, in the other hand, which is kind of a badass thing to do, too. Yeah. I'm sure James Cameron saw that. He's like, you know what? I could do that for Terminator 2, uh, be inspired by Chuck Norris. But that was kind of cool, but I don't really feel like he got any information out of the guy. No. No, he's like, where's, where's the guy? He's like, I can't tell you. Like, I, I'm stab your hand harder.
2: I honestly don't even remember. Do we know why he goes to that barn specifically to look for information? I don't think we were ever given like, oh, this has... that. I guess that's the other problem in the movie is that it, we're never led to believe that that like Chuck Norris has found out something that's going to lead him to the next step. Well, did he you just like, shows up.
0: What did you guys think of him driving down like a literal crime alley like with his truck? That and was, like-
1: yeah, that was weird. Yeah. <laughs> I watched that movie with my girlfriend last night, and we were both like, What is going on? There's like every random, like, it was like sub, whatever genre of criminal or group, every stereotype.
0: Yeah, it was like bikers, prostitutes, like (laughs) like a
1: '70s pimp shows up, and the
0: Cedar Citizens like get out of here. They're just all yelling, and he's just driving a truck. Like he's not even like instigating anything. It's like, do they just hate trucks? I don't know. (laughs) Like,
2: what street is he on? Yeah,
0: it was like this.
2: (laughs) I don't know where that street is, but I'm staying the hell away from it.
0: I just couldn't understand. I'm like, this feels like this is like a skit. On a show where it's just going to escalate. And then he just, but then, you know, he ends up driving to that bar and like, you know, and, and goes in and it's, it's, is this like the dark side of Miami? Cause I'm pretty sure it's more than one street, you know? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was weird. I thought that was funny, but it's like, it's just like you could watch it and not think about it. But if you start thinking about what's going on, you're like, none of this, none of this makes sense. None of his investigative things made sense other than they're like, you're on the case and they just showed up places. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know if the extra bits of the movie would actually have him, you know, Doing
2: Detective work
1: or, yeah. Like
0: breaking out a roadmap and looking where to go next or something. Well, yeah.
1: Like he he says, he's, all right, I'll, I'll, you know, go back to the agency. But then he wants to be by himself. He gets no support, no info, no (laughs) nothing. It was. Does that just mean like
0: uh, put me on payroll now, or <laughs> Listen, I stole I stole this Native American's uh, truck? Uh, I mean, you know, I was living off of Gator money. I need I need something here. Yeah, it's just I don't know. Like I, so the movie I think succeeds in a lot of ways, but again, I just at the end it just becomes so. With the way the movie is edited together, uh, the, so the story goes that the director got a call. Uh, while he was making the film, and he got a call from uh, Menachem Golan, and he was worried that the budget was going to be cut down because that's what canon does. They tell, they promise them things and don't don't deliver all the time. See Superman 4. Uh, but turns out Menachem saw the dailies, it was like, we're giving you $2 million more to keep adding to this movie. So that's why they kept bringing in more and more ridiculous like guns and everything because it's like they kept spitting the money because it, it kept getting handed to him because Menachem was like, he... The more we see of his kind of touch on things, it's like he just wants something on the screen that's going to wow people. But it doesn't matter if it makes sense or not. Yeah. That's what it feels like to me. And he's like, this is going to be a hit because look at those tanks as opposed to this is a compelling story. <laughs> that's what it feels like.
2: Uh, you know, oddly enough, uh, it reminds me of uh, I think it's on the commentary for. uh uh, chasing Amy uh, where they're talking about like they there there's one scene that takes place in like a train station or whatever and then Holden goes to make a call and like a, a train just happens to go by and they're like look at that scope like you totally buy it because there's a train in the background and it feels like that like on a much larger scale for for um the Canon group or Golan and Globus um, where they're like you know look at all this stuff that we've thrown on the screen doesn't matter if it makes sense doesn't matter if yeah. the story Works, but like it's well think all of the there. scale
0: of that versus like enter the ninja like enter the ninja was like they kept shooting on like this like plantation like mansion area and it never got that big you know like mm-hmm. they kept using office buildings but this it's like you had like this big i don't even call this big metal barriers that look like big like you know jumping jacks that are like put up you know like this huge ones and you got the tanks and you got the guns and it's just, you got the helicopters it's like this like this felt like you know not that I'm blaming Zito, but like this has the makings of a film, and th- then the people producing it obviously they picked the wrong things out of it. And I'm not saying this would have been the strongest, like most important film ever made. I mean, it's a Chuck Norris movie for God's sake. But you could still, you can still have a good, like good action film that carry that actually carries all the way through and, and has good action, you know, and actually be a good watchable movie. This this feels like it's just like two shades to the right of that.
2: You know, but I will say, and only because it came up in the top ten of the year, like, looking at them, having watched both of them, now, obviously, this one much more recent than I watched uh, Rambo 2 First Blood, and maybe this is gonna, you know, people are gonna blow me up on Facebook or something like that. But if I'm gonna choose between the two, I think that this is actually a better movie, and, like, Rambo is written by James Cameron, and I don't remember who the director is, but, like and i'm not saying that about the first first blood first blood's amazing don't get me wrong but the second rambo movie
0: i like it you read about hot takes from like yeah. from the what is wrong with you
2: but like if i'm if i were given a choice what do i think is the better movie i'm probably going to pick this over that i'm not saying it's the greatest movie but i'm just saying if we're looking at the genre the time period it was made i think it's a better movie than what was the number 2 film of the year you know what i mean does that make sense I, no that
0: makes i've not seen first blood part 2 in forever so um, so I can't, I don't have a point of reference. It's been like, I finally sit down and watched um, the first blood like two years ago. Cause I'd never actually seen it. I'd always seen mm-hmm. like the sequels. Cause growing up, it's like, you know, I don't know. Like I was, I, I was born in 78. So I missed some of this stuff initially, but I saw sequels because it was on cable and on video. Yeah. So I never, I don't think I'd ever seen the original one until recent. So I don't have a point of reference, but I, I can see your point. Um, I, I just, this one is just, I was expecting it to be, it is ridiculous throughout. But it's just, there's just a point where uh, it just it becomes when you get to the denouement of him like launching the grenade launcher. Well, it's, it's actually like a showdown, like a, like almost like a Wild West showdown of like, oh, you have a grenade launcher? I have one too. You know, like yeah. this whole thing. I like, it's, it's still awesome, but it's like, it's just by that point, it's already went so big that that feels small, if that makes sense. Like, so I'm not, you know, I'm not tarnishing the name Invasion USA by any stretch of the imagination. Would I watch this with a group of people in a heartbeat, I think mm-hmm. it'd be a lot of fun. Um, it's just, I, I was hoping for more crazy stuff. And you know, you got the straw in the brain, you got some hand stabbing, uh, and you got, you know, dueling grenade launchers. I just, I was hoping for just a little bit more.
2: Mm-hmm. That's me. Ryan, where you come <laughs> out on, on the film? Because um, I know you said it was like one of your favorites as a kid. Oh, watching yeah. Watching it as an um, adult, like it's a, Different experience, obviously. Yeah, uh,
1: watching it now, it's um, it is just a series of scenes that are kind of stitched together, and uh, it's a little bit confusing, I guess, to call it a you know, you call it a movie. Now. <laughs> You're like, well, it's really not much writing going on in it, but uh, it's still an it's enjoyable. I I'm a huge Chuck Norris fan, so you know this is this is up there with uh, the rest of his movies for me. I, <laughs> I don't know about for everyone else. It,
0: I did. I did like him stalking around like the office area with like all the cubicles and just something about that, like removing yourself from like, there's terrorists here. It's like, no, this is Chuck Norris walking through, <laughs> you know, an office. Uh, that just makes me believe that that's how he would actually carry himself. You're like, yeah, he has mini guns. He's here. Watch out. Um, yeah, so I, <laughs> that was funny. Um, But yeah, I mean, it was good. I just it. Steve called me out on this where I'm like, it's fine. No, I had fun with it. (laughs) My radar right now is so goddamn broken watching like these films and then last year watching the knockoff stuff. Yeah. That, like, if something something comes out, I'm like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. Like, I just I'm all over the place with like my my palate right now. So it's hard. I, it's hard for me sometimes to be like I loved it. Like I don't know. It was it was okay.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I will say that as I've gotten older too, I think my scale of like how I rate a film is more about how much I enjoyed it as opposed to sometimes critical thought, as um, I feel like. Uh, I think most people who are creative will oftentimes try and break films down almost to the point where they almost don't enjoy them because they're breaking them down too much.
0: I'm in the room with you, Steve.
2: Yeah. (laughs) But, um, you know, with something like this, you know, and I'll be honest. I mean, if this came out today and it was this film and, uh, you know, instead of Chuck Norris, it starred Tom Cruise, I might not give it a second look. I mean hell, it took us having to do an episode on Mission Impossible for me to catch up with <laughs> five of those movies. So uh, it's a sliding scale, definitely, like when it comes to my enjoyment of the films. But, you know, there's some really impressive stuff in the movie. And, oh, yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's... It's a Chuck Norris movie. You're never going to hold it up against like, oh, you know, Scorsese's, you know, or De Niro in you know a Scorsese film or something along those lines. I mean, lines. this is
0: almost like Goodfellas, <laughs> <laughs> almost the same thing. You know, you yeah. know that
2: scene in Casino? No. Um...
0: <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I watched this and it was just, I, I liked it. Uh, I could see this being a fun watch with a group of people, like I said, uh, but. I just for some reason in my mind, like you, you talk about going to the video store and seeing this in your face, mm. I just the the cover art and Chuck Norris and just the name—it's a badass name. Uh, I was ex- I just—I shouldn't go in expecting like the highest of highs with a canon film, but <laughs> but you know, like I love over the top, and that movie is dumb as all get out. But I love that movie, and it's mm. fun all the way through. Uh, and I'm sure when we get to Cobra here in a, like a few months, I, I might you know it's I, I'm sure I'll have parts about that I like too. So I'm not. I, I could be surprised by these films. I just don't know what my mindset was going into this when I was, what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. So that maybe that's on me. And I don't want to spend too much time kicking invasion USA because I mean, for goodness sakes, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a, uh, it is what it is in terms of like being an action movie. And it tries to say something about terrorism, I guess, because back then in the eighties, terrorists were cartoon characters. Yeah. Um.
2: I don't know if it's trying to say something about well, terrorism. No, though. because like there's the whole thing to...
0: that they're identifying, like, the, the ability to destabilize the country, how, like, they talk about how, like, America's not been invaded 200 years. Like, yeah. they're speaking a little bit to that. I know it's just kind of moving the plot along, but it's still there in part of the movie to be talked about.
2: You know, maybe we need, like, a well regulated army.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> no, no, that's not what we need. So, um, I don't know, do you guys have like is there any other like weird, fun things in the movie that you want to talk about? Anything like the the random kicks to the face that showed up? Also, Chuck Norris made a weird noise when he would leap sometimes. Did you guys notice that? Was it was, like a Ugh! No, it was more like a cat screech noise. There was like once or twice where it was like Meow Like there was this weird noise. It's not a meow, but there was a couple times where he was like like leaping from like like into frame and it was a weird every Canon movie has weird noises. You
2: know what? Now I want... uh, Because I do not have any technical proficiency uh, when it comes to video editing, but my wife does. I now want her to get a bunch of clips of Chuck Norris kicking and jumping uh, and then put in cat sounds. That would be great. I, uh, I want that video desperately now.
0: Have you, have you watched, have you went back and watched recently the when Conan O'Brien had the Walker Texas Ranger lever? I haven't show.
2: watched it recently, but God, I used to love that <laughs> so much. <laughs> <It's fantastic. laughs>
0: so that's what I, like there's times in this where like the leg would come up or like straight up into someone's head or from like outside the camera and to kick them. It's like, you you saw Chuck Norris right there. He was just because we didn't see him didn't mean that you didn't see him. And then there's the bit too where he blew up the two guys that were on the opposite sides of the door and the office building and left these big holes because yeah. they were waiting to shoot. And he's like, "Nope, I'm gonna blow up the sides of the door." And then he walks to the door frame. It was just yeah it was so ridiculous there
2: is uh and now that i think about it uh there is one other shot that i wanted to say is really impressive uh there's a shot that takes place in like a hangar slash garage where there's like a couple of cops and there's a mechanic working on oh all the yeah that. thank
0: you for mentioning that that was ridiculous
2: yes. yeah uh like the one cop takes the mechanic over a cup of coffee and then a vehicle comes crashing through but the way the camera is set up like it's pretty tightly cut together because it yeah. It looks seamless actually. Like I'm, I'm like pretty oh. sure they killed that guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he got he did get hurt really badly.
1: that's just one of the things that I saw on uh on that Instagram page. Uh they put that clip on there. I didn't even know that was from that movie <laughs> until last night when I saw it. Uh that stunt man did get hurt very badly okay. and, <laughs> and ended up not being a stunt man anymore after that. I can see why. Uh, yeah, yeah, like, got, yeah, it looks horrible.
2: Like he got hurt. <laughs> See, I didn't know that. but like I was watching I was like, damn, that is really impressive.
0: Yeah, yeah well, I mean it uh, is. He paid yeah. the price. So yeah. Yeah. um all right. Yeah, so I, I don't have I don't have anything else um about the film. I had a bunch of random notes in here, but we'll get past that because I always uh write random, stupid knowledge. Not knowledge, stupid rambling thoughts as I'm talking right now. Um I even put my notes here, another Norse leap with its own sound effects. So I was <laughs> keeping track of it last night. <laughs> um so <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> I wrote. Pretty sure that guy died behind the desk. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, So, uh, so we. I guess we'll just uh, wrap it up. Like what we do here is for the year of canon. We have a couple questions that we ask our, ourselves just to contemplate. Uh, and so, soft, sort of, reflection. yeah, soft reflections, <laughs> uh, deep thoughts. Uh, so Ryan, I don't have to participate because I know you. I don't think you've seen the Apple, but that's like our, our baseline. Have you seen the Apple? No, I haven't seen the Apple. Oh, you're missing. Oh, it. it's it's yeah. a musical.
2: A kind of um, and, and it, it, pro- talk
0: about abrupt endings. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: Uh, you literally could see the money running out at the
0: end. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Steve, is this better or worse than the Apple?
2: I'd say it's better.
0: Uh, not as many musical numbers. No, but and, and not as many reports of a tiger running free off a set as, as the Apple. But yeah, I would agree it's better than the Apple. Uh, and I wrote, I misspelled worse too. Is it worse? But worse, oh, whatever. Uh, so we have a Monacum Index that I that we have loosely saying how how much do you think go Golan influenced this movie? Like we kind of do like a scale of one to 100, like, you know, percentage wise, knowing that Chuck Norris signed a multi-year deal, knowing that he gave additional money to this film and then also pretty much had final cut on it. That feels like his fingerprints are all over this thing. Yeah, I'm I will give it a 50 just because he meddled and kind of ruined the film. But you could tell Joe Zito had had a vision that was going to be somewhat okay, yeah. and then they went in and just removed all the story out of it.
2: So it's funny that you say 50, because I was thinking higher. I was thinking okay. like a 70, 75, because I, I feel like um, <laughs> there's, okay, so there's a scene in uh, the film Ed Wood where a producer comes on. It's He's played by Ron Howard's father, oddly enough, um, and he's, he's talking about how the movie ends now with a big explosion. Uh a sky full of smoke and like i feel like that was menachem golem like as a producer like yeah you know how's the movie gonna end well it's gonna have a big explosion like it's you know we're gonna dump money into this so there can be more explosions or more guns or more you know more action uh if you will so i i i, I think of that guy now when i think of menachem golem like you know, did
0: you say Golem or golem? Oh,
2: sorry, <laughs> I'm thinking of Charles Bronson as the Golem. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah, the film he wanted, Menachem wanted to make, but never got funding for. Yeah, it. Uh, uh.
2: which is great. There, I would have loved to have seen that movie, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I go, I go higher. I okay. probably go like 75 because I feel like he was just throwing money into the garbage can. Like you know, give me more explosions
0: well i, I just like the idea that he liked the, the dailies of all the action and then just, like there was no question about like is there a story here no 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 it doesn't
2: matter <laughs> well there's that great story about uh they, they tell an electric boogaloo i think i've mentioned this before <laughs> where they said he wanted that stone woman so they hired sharon stone and then he was watching dailies of her and he's like who's this woman they're like you said get Sharon stone and he's like no no the one from romancing the stone
0: he wanted <laughs> kathleen <laughs> turner <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, then there's also that story, too, of where he was upset watching uh, Invaders from Mars, thinking it was uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, Ju- wasn't Jewel of the Nile, whatever. One of the ones that, th- no, the Richard Chamberlain. Um, uh, yeah. The, um, uh, oh, whatever. Oh, okay. Lost City of Gold. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. He thought. Alan Quatermain. Alan Quatermain. He thought it was Alan Quatermain, but the, no one told him that it wasn't that. So he's watching Invaders from Mars, being like, everybody's ugly in this movie. And it's like, no, that's not this movie. So. I um yeah that's I I mean I don't know Ryan if you want to throw a number at Menachem and what he feel like his influence was on this movie uh, yeah, I don't
2: know that's it's, well, it's I'm angry, tough.
0: hitting the microphone
2: I guess the best way to put it is like if you think of it in like terms of craziness like <laughs> yeah. what is the what's yeah. the number
1: yeah I mean I it would be somewhere in between there I would, I would guess I I can't really say but uh, I mean would a movie would a movie like that even be made? Like, did he even want that made to begin with? Like,
0: I mean, do you think a big studio would put that much money behind that kind of film, other than Canon? You know, like I feel right. like that's. I feel like there, there was still, you know, obviously there's still action movies being made, but with that kind of, like, there is. I don't know if anybody else would have funded that with with uh, fourteen million or not. Sorry, what was it? It wasn't fourteen million. It was uh, uh, like twelve. I twelve, think, right? Yeah, that's what they said anyway. Um, so. Yeah, I don't know. but uh, Yeah, he might get all the credit for it. He, he
1: wanted it made and threw money at it. I don't know. I'm just surprised he
0: didn't try st- sneaking in like a dance like uh, fad or like a musical fad in there because it seems to be always a thing too where he's like, you know what's cool now? The kids with their break dancing and had to sneak that in. Um, but yeah, all right. So then the last question we'd ask is would we recommend this film to anybody? Yeah, it's fun. Like again, with a group of people, just know it's a Chuck Norris movie where he shoots people and, and saves school buses full of kids and churches full of people singing and praying. And you know, he is, he is America, Jesus, he's American, Jesus in this film. So
2: I completely forgot about the church scene. <laughs> there's well, so much going that's, on. in his That's movie. what led up to the suitcase. Yeah, I know. And there's like, even
0: that kind of like hinting at like the curfew and stuff. So yeah. it's like, you saw like martial law was being, which is exactly what Rostov wanted, you know, but yeah, the whole, that whole church scene goes on way too long. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, it's, a, it's an ambitious film you know uh, i i have to give it respect for that they there was ambition behind it not <laughs> not a whole lot of uh great execution but it was uh it was an ambitious film
2: i mean there's that quote nobody sets out to make a bad movie it just kind of <laughs> happens you know and like i don't even know if i qualify this as bad i, I wouldn't but say I, it was
0: like bad as in like unwatchably bad it's just that The seams are showing of what they cut out. I guess what I'm
2: saying, like, when it comes to the whole, like, who would I recommend this to, or would I recommend this to a friend, I feel like it's, you gotta know, like, this is a perfect movie for me to sit down and watch, like... I, i'm gonna eat this up but like it's not something that i'm going to you know recommend to my wife like she's not gonna this is not gonna be her bag or i, I uh, can always
0: tell if i have to pause before i answer a question of like what'd you do last night i yeah. realized the movie i probably watched isn't what i want to talk about in front of people because i'll have to like pull the thread of trying to explain it and they're like oh and yeah. then they don't talk to me the rest of the day. <laughs> like, <you know. laughs>
2: yeah. And actually, I have to tell my boss next uh, that next week and uh, next Thursday I have to get out early so that I can get to Endgame in time. So <laughs> that'll be a fun conversation. Because I remember I, uh, when I saw The Last Jedi, it was like that weird thing of like, hey, I got to leave work early on Thursday. You know, doctor's appointment? I'm going to the movies. <laughs> yeah.
0: So. All right. I think that's going to do it for our discussion about Invasion USA. That was, it was fun. I'm glad that we got to it. Uh, before we uh, before we talk about next week, I guess we'll get through our, our plugging of everything that we do uh, yes. here. So uh, I guess I'll just go first since I'm talking right now. Sure. Um, you find us on Facebook and Evasion of the Podcast uh, where we post things sometimes. Um, I will try to post that picture of the car on the beach. That doesn't make sense. I'll, make, I'll remember to do that. Uh, you can find us on evasionthepodcast.com. It's our blog. I recently just wrote a blog entry for another canon film called um, Sword of the Valiant. Uh, it is weird. And it has Miles O'Keefe, if you guys remember from our talk about Aitor the Fighting Eagle last year, he is in it. And here, oh, here's the knowledge bomb I didn't drop on you guys before we started recording. Miles O'Keefe's character Seguin, um, they actually wanted Mark Hamill to be that role. Oh my god! But Menachem was insistent of getting Miles O'Keefe to play the role. <laughs> so you almost had Mark Hamill fighting Sean ah. Connery for a second in that movie. Um, I don't think that would have benefited Mark Hamill's career whatsoever at that time. Yeah. Um, So yeah, you guys can read my thoughts on that. There's some uh, fun video clips, and it's just a weird movie, so you can find that on our blog. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, uh, Google Music, uh, wherever you find your podcast. please rate and review us. That'd be great. And I will be at... Uh, Aladdin Sane, uh, which is a show that friend of the, a show being done by friend of the show Jeff Ritchie, That's a tribute to David Bowie. It's going to be May 9th at seven p.m. at the Bob Stop in Cleveland. Tickets are ten dollars. Steve's going to be there, and I'll be there doing something, and yep. Jeff's going to be there running around like a madman doing awesome things. It's going to be a great night.
2: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that and uh, checking out all the cool artwork and music and stuff. So, um, should I go next or? Should we do a twofer here, since we're going to be in a lot of areas together, since we are a team? Yeah, we are a team. So yeah, let's go ahead. Okay, so uh, <laughs> the first one is is a, uh, and this is going to be the more recent. So um, May third, which is Friday night at uh, Carolyn Johns from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m., uh, Ryan and I will be there doing sketches uh, for free. Um, of any comic kind of character that you want, uh, please come up and ask me to draw something I've never heard of. Um, Can I get a, a fat gambit? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I had pulled because uh, I've been trying to figure out who to draw for our. Uh, there's there's an art show there, and uh, the theme is X Men. And I, I had posted on Facebook, like, who should I draw? And I was getting all these suggestions. Somebody said Gambit. And I'm like, oh, so I was supposed to say, so far, that's one for Gambit. And I wrote accidentally or autocorrected to, so fat Gambit. <laughs> <laughs> so fat Gambit it is. So I, which
0: I then rechristened as a Hambit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, but uh, Ryan will have pieces piece in the art, art show as well. Yep. Okay, and are you doing Saturday? I'm only signed up for Friday. I don't. I didn't know if you were uh, doing Saturday too. As or? far as I know, yeah, I'm doing Saturday. I don't remember if I'm doing the
1: morning or afternoon or whatever. I'm taking the day off work though, so I'll okay. be there.
2: And we're, we'll post a um, uh, on the Facebook. We'll post a uh, uh, information information. Like, yeah, sorry, I. <laughs> Uh, event information. Yeah, I was looking at my phone and like a, something came through and like I was trying to read it at the same time I was trying to speak. So uh, I apologize for not being professional. Do you
0: encourage people to ask for figures that require a lot of black marker, like a lot yes. of black marker? Okay.
2: Yes, and come and ask me to recreate an entire comic book cover, um, shot for shot. <laughs>
0: so. I'm gonna ask for the 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 '90s X-Men Claremont like the gatefold like the. Like, <laughs> <laughs> of all, whatever that was.
2: Here, you're not nearly as talented as Jim Lee. <laughs> yeah. Draw this. Please. Four covers. <laughs> back, to, back to back And then... Uh at the end of May, uh, May thirty first through June second, Ryan and I will be at Retro Invasion Weekend in Westlake. Uh, local show, going to be awesome guests. Uh, Joe Bob Briggs is going to be there, who's like enjoying like a huge resurgence now, mm-hmm. particularly with the last drive-in on Shutter. Like people are all over them, all over him, I should say. Uh, Diane Franklin, Robert Kurtzman, Courtney Gaines, Mark Metcalf. Artist Gary Perl- Pullman. Uh, Pullman? I keep saying Pullman. Uh, Ghoulish Gary is going to be there. Uh, fantastic artist. Um, so awesome. a bunch of awesome people are going to be there. Please come by. Say hello. Perhaps buy a comic. Uh, no, no. Buy a comic. Buy no, a perhaps
0: comic. buy a comic. Or some artwork or a pin or, you know. It's whatever spend your money at their table and get stuff yes yeah um you gotta you gotta assume the sale, steve you just can't,
2: you know. <laughs> this is why i've never been a good salesman uh and then uh, a month later we'll also be at uh, dark x fest uh from june 29th and 30th in hudson ohio guests there are going to be caroline williams bill johnson john dugan Dan Yeager Phyllis Rose and more so two great shows coming up both locally uh, one in Hudson Ohio the other one in Westlake uh, I'm excited to not have to travel for a show for once so that's going to mm-hmm. be awesome um, and the gentleman putting it on Joe uh, I'm going to say his last name or I think it's Ostrica
0: for Retro Evasion Weekend yeah you-
2: for Retro Weekend he's doing a killer job promoting the show yeah. so please come out and support it perfect and then uh, did you have anything to add you got anything else coming up Um, no I'm doing the same thing, so. (laughs) (laughs) yeah.
0: All right. Uh, So, yeah, Uh, Ryan, thanks for coming on. I know um, Steve and I were really animated talking about Mr. Truck Norris and his uh, airboats and gator wrestling and kicks from nowhere and miniguns. So we appreciate you coming on time on Invasion USA. Oh, no problem. Um, I'm, I'm about as animated as Chuck Norris, so I'm sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> time to die. <laughs> yeah. Time to
1: die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: uh, it's going to do it for us this week. Next week uh, is going to be actually close to Alien Day. Um, if I if I check right, I think we'll be recording this. Actually, Alien Day is next, next Friday. Not well, Sorry, the 26th. Uh, but to celebrate Alien Day, uh, we're going to be talking about um, there was – so, Alien Three is a film that people debate about being good or not, and I say it's good, but in context, uh, we're going to be talking about well, because there's the assembly cut. We'll talk more about that next week. But then, there are people who that,
2: say Prometheus is a good film in context. So let's, uh, yeah, we'll have that conversation uh, next no, week. You're
0: right. I take that back. Uh, <laughs> so, um, I, what's the name of the author? Was it William Gibson? that did uh, yes okay so he wrote a, a screenplay for alien 3 that was never produced but then uh dark horse recently has released as a five issue comic i believe we will verify the comic issue numbers i yes. thought it was four and i was tricked because it got to be to be continued i'm like wow this is going to end really weird um we're gonna be talking about that unproduced screenplay for alien 3 and also alien 3 to see what directions it went because alien 3 was a really troubled production and there's a lot of stuff that could have happened in that movie that didn't and a lot and you see some of it in the comics so it'll be kind of a fun conversation about a movie and a comic that was supposed to be the third movie in the alien franchise
2: yeah it's not one that people bring up when they talk about the filmography of david fincher so
0: yeah not even him he doesn't want to talk about either so yeah that's gonna do it for us this week uh have a good week and um i don't know uh i just i I guess if you're making out watch out for terrorists time to die
3: (laughs) chuck norris Chuck Norris, man of action. Chuck Norris stars in Chuck Norris Karate
1: Commandos. Chuck Norris, he's got nerves of steel and strength to match. Chuck Norris with his team, Pepper. It's
3: too dangerous.
1: Too much. Too much. Kimo, the samurai warrior. Reed, Chuck's teenage apprentice. Tabe, the sumo champion. With Chuck Norris, they battle the sinister forces of the claw. Remember this. And the ruthless super ninja. I'll
3: finish Norris.
1: Chuck Norris stars in Chuck Norris Karate Commandos.